Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Jill Gleba, and we're talking to inspirational, common, and imperfect people just trying their best and trying to gain some uncommon sense. We are not always in charge. Remember that Angele commercial in the 80s, I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan? That was Leslie. She did it all. Founded a business, got married, raised their kids, and then stuff happens. A dishonest employee, cancer, not once, but three times, that causes her to sell and restart a new business. She had to surrender through this emotional, spiritual, and physical journey and grieve through the process. She handled this with the grace that we could only wish to imitate. We have a special guest today that's had quite a few hurdles and has managed quite well. So great inspiration for us. Leslie Delgado, who owns Strategic Recruiting Services. Welcome, Leslie. Thanks so much, Joe, for having me here today. This is going to be a a nice, unique story. Um, I say unique, but I'll bet you a lot of people have had maybe some health issues throughout their life. And the hard part about health issues, in my opinion, is you're walking around in life, you're running your business, and nobody really knows what's going on. People are kind of judgmental, in my opinion. But before we go into that, I wondered if you could share uh, why the heck you started a business instead of getting a normal job like the rest of the world. Yeah, isn't that the truth? So, you know, I think I was always in the back of my mind. I always knew I wanted to be in business. It was just a passion. I got into the business world through the staffing temporary help industry. And I remember going in and I absolutely fell in love with the industry because it was the only place I had ever walked in that was completely run by women. And I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be, right? Because I was a product of the 60s and the 70s, right? And, you know, the whole story there about traditional being traditional, if you will. Or being non-traditional, right? That women can, you know, basically the commercials were, you know, we can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan, right? So I bought oh. into I bought into all that, right? I was like this. I was thinking the opposite, that you're trying to be different. But yes, you're right. That is true, that it was the budding of women working and yes. liberation. and Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. And you probably felt comfortable too, right? Yeah, I felt very comfortable. So I loved the industry and I still do, right? I would say it's a gift, right? It came as a gift to be able to work with individuals. I loved getting to know people and who they were and their stories and then help fit that into organizations and allowing people to earn a living, right? Find a place where they fit, where they could earn a living. It just felt like I wasn't just doing a job. It felt like there was a bigger purpose to it. You know, I'll share You've helped us find employees. And what made you a little bit different is when I went to see you, you started talking to me about how my organization runs. What do you think I need? And honestly, I'm not sure I knew exactly what I needed. So the fact that you started talking to me about it and I realized I needed actually two people at one time. And you said, Mm -hmm. "Okay, which one do you prefer I find first? And I said, oh, and the point is this. It's hard running a business and all the different hats that you wear. So the fact that I'm a small business, I don't have the money to 
have an HR department. Right. We're not that big. There's eight of us. So the fact that I can go to you when I need your help and say, look, we need to find somebody. You'll find out why we need this person, what exactly they're going to do. So you ask me and get me prepared to what kind of person you need to hire. And it gives you good direction too, I imagine. But you did go quite deep and I appreciated that. So yeah, I think you do have a gift, actually. It is. It's a, it's a lovely gift. And so one thing led to another. Um, I ended up working for an individual that actually asked me to become a partner in the business. And that's what started the trajectory, right? I put a business plan together. Um, I had been running this division for this organization anyways. And we were all the way getting to the end um, got the attorneys involved and they were like, they put the brakes on there like, do not do this. Absolutely not. Red flag, red flag, red flag, right? Don't go into this business. And, but I had my heart set. Right? Can you my, share why? Why they didn't want financials? They were finding all kinds of things that could go wrong. Yes. Yes. With the relationship. Um, they really felt like it was not a good move for me. Oh. But I had already put the business plan together. And so that propelled me forward, Jill. And again, I always felt like I had this calling in this industry. And so I started my own company. I started my own company. I went out. I had already had a name in the industry because I had learned from the best. And I never solicited or went after any of those customers. But all of a sudden, they found me. Wow. And one thing led to another. Um, okay, so I had zero money, right? I had a credit card. <laughs> You're making my stomach turn, but that's okay. The book was about financials, remember? <laughs> but you know what? That's how most businesses, they, I mean, you don't just say, oh, I got all this money. What should I do? I mean, you got to create it. Uh, yeah, so I had this credit card, right? My first customer was a bank. Okay. So I walked in to this loan officer and I sat down and I looked at it on my, and I'm like, look, you guys came to me. You want me to do all of this work. Well, your money's good. Then you need to give me a credit line so that I can fund the payroll on this thing so that I can now provide you with the staff that you need to run your department. And I got the credit line, like this punk kid in her 20s, right? I'm oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, sure, here you go. And the mindset is they get a paycheck every week. They don't realize the background of what we're all putting on the line right? You know, to start a business. And, you know, the lesson here, is it isn't easy to start a business. I think nine out of 10 don't make it. So the fact that when you first started and your lawyer said, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. They're just thinking the statistics that you might not make it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, I think it was really more from his perspective. They did not want me to commingle, so to speak. But well, and I'll be honest, this has nothing to do with anybody personally, but I would rather just run my own business. Yeah. Um, having a partner is a lot of compromising. I think the reason I own a business is I, I like to just do my own thing, too. Honestly. Yeah. To be fair, I, that's that, that's either bad nor good about me. That's just who I am. Yeah. I just want to do my own thing. And yeah, I don't know what the word is, but don't hold me back. Let me do what I need to do. Yeah. It was interesting because so I didn't end up, you know, in that relationship. 
he sold to another company. And when they came in, that was like the driving factor. It was like, you know what? I do not want to work with these people. I didn't like their ethics. I didn't like how they dealt with people. I didn't like their approach to people or to business. There's your red flags. Yep. And so, you know, for me, it was a lot probably like you. It's like, you know what? No, I had enough moxie and enough drive and ambition. Energy. Yep. And energy. And I was like, you know what? No, I want to surround myself with people that I want to work with, that I want to be with, that we can grow together and and build together and that we enjoy one another. And so that started the whole, my first company. So this, so I've actually, um, this is my second business that I'm in these days. But when you started your company, were you married with kids or single and on your own? I was single and on my own, but I was engaged, right? Like I hadn't gotten married yet. So I started my company and then within that first year of business, I got married as well. Oh, geez. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. But, you know, I always felt like it was my ministry, if you will. Um, I always felt like, again, it was a calling. It was a gift. When I started my company, the staffing world treated people like they were temps. They treated them like they were commodities. And when I ventured into that space, my whole thinking was, you know, if you treat people like they are valued part of your organization, you will get better results. And I knew that if I did the right thing with people and I valued their skill, what they brought to the table, that that would benefit business and it would benefit the individual as well. And I knew that the businesses would just they would come. People that were looking for that, people that didn't want just a body in a seat. And they did. They just showed up, Joe. Like we, we were just booming. We had a great run for 20 years, really. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then. <laughs> and well, then. Well, and you know, there are ups and downs, right? In a 20-year business cycle, right? There's ups and downs. I, you know, I mean, we grew, but we we had a strong name in the industry. You know, we were well-received. We had our niche space that we lived in, you know, and then life happens, right? Life happens. I think about that. I'm just, uh, when you're 20 years, so you get married, you probably have kids. Um, I remember honestly. Yeah. And, and it's funny, I was just talking to a young person recently and they had something in mind what they wanted to do for a living. And they said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that route. I'm not willing to do A, B, and C. Yeah. And I said, that's good. You found that out about yourself. And they were feeling a little bit like a failure. And I said, no, at least you're thinking about what you want in life. And when I tell people that uh, my kids were little, I'd come home every day, we'd have dinner together. And then my husband, we'd put the kids in the bathtub and then I'd kiss him and I'd head out the door for my seven o'clock appointment because people needed to see me in the evening. And, and then a lot of times when my family go to bed about 10 o'clock at night, my husband got up early, I would work from 10 to one and get work on cases yeah. and then I'd go to bed and then he'd get up and go to work. I'd get the kids up, et cetera. But not everybody is willing to do that. 
Yeah. And that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make us better people. It's just that it's a choice we both made that we have a calling and we want to do what we're doing. Yeah. But it's not for everybody, right? Right. So you manage somehow with the kids and running a business. And I mean, that's hard. Well, I felt very fortunate, Jill. I really did. I felt very, very fortunate. We were in a position that we were able to have a full-time nanny that I love. We had three children, right? Um, They kind of spanned the ages. And still running errands and dropping them off and stuff. You had a little bit of help there is the point. I had a lot of help. Okay. It was like having a sister that was there and that I trusted and my girls and our kids were able to stay home. We were very fortunate, really, because I remember after my first, I had my first daughter, when I tried to come back to the office, I sat in my office for three days and I cried. Oh, I couldn't do it, Jill. I was horrified. So I set out to hire a president to come in and run my company for me, which I did. I hired someone. So I ended up wow. staying home for the first two years of my oldest daughter. The first two years, I stayed home with her because I just... Um, you needed to. I needed to. It was what my heart called for. I ended up coming back in. Um, so big story there. Again, you want my financial messes. Here you go, Joe. Okay. okay. Not necessarily financial messes, but it's nice to know that people make mistakes yes. and they still manage. And that's that's what we're sharing here, which is good. And that's really the story. So I realized he had been embezzling from me. Oh. Oh, yeah. And it was a lot. So I had to step back in and, you know, take the reins back in my organization which I was able to do. And again, it was a big financial hit. Oh, yeah. But it was, um, you can't put a price tag sometimes on the time that you're able to spend with your family or doing the things that your heart calls you to do, right? I mean, there's no price tag on, on things like that. I agree. And my sister's an attorney. She's retired now, but here's an attorney and she did the same as you. She took two years off and said, I, I'm not going into work. I'm going to stay home. And she did. Yeah. There's nothing about it that I would have changed, right? Here's somebody you trusted implicitly. Yes. How could someone do that to somebody? I just, I don't even know how to go there. And we welcomed him into our family, right? Like yeah. they moved him and his wife. We moved him here. They lived around the corner from oh. us. I mean, and then he went on to do this to other people in what I learned later on. And it's so hurtful to you, but then to go on and do it some more. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no conscious there. There's nothing we can do about that. Right. But you know what? When I came back in and took over the business, you know, we hired our nanny who stayed with us for really um, almost 20 years. Wow. So she's family. She's family. Yep. She now has her own family and her kids are, you know, almost grown. I wish I knew you back then. That's a nice solution, by the way. I shared my kids with two other moms and we all took turns together and it worked out. Yeah. But it's nice to have somebody that's part of your family doing that. That's nice. 
Yeah, it's a lot though, Jill, right? Like, I, I mean, when I stepped back in, then the business really took off. You know, we hit our peaks, right? I mean, you know, we were, you know, a $4 million company. I had probably 15 employees and 150 contract workers wow. working for me. That's huge. Yeah. So, I mean, we had a great run, right? But I will tell you, you know, my days, very much like yours, started at like four o'clock in the morning. I'd get up, I'd go to the gym. I took my business clothes with me. I got dressed for the day. I worked all day. Then, you know, it was off to the evening events. Um, you know, by the time I got home, tucked the kids into bed, you know, read a story. It was 10, 11 o'clock at night. Oh. And, you know, you kind of drop and you drop, you pass out and you get up and do the whole thing all over again. Right. Yep. That was life. And so it was not surprising. It was surprising to me that I ended up becoming a cancer survivor. Jeez. Yeah. So I'm a three-time cancer survivor. And that kind of fits into the middle of this story, right? Yeah. And, and I can't tell you, I don't know anybody but you, that it's not once, not twice, but three times you beat this thing. Yeah, three times. So you're quite resilient, right? You're a fighter, baby. I am a fighter. I'm a warrior. But I would say to you, God had another plan, right? Some of the things that I know about life and that I learned through that journey, you know, we're not in charge of everything. No. We really are not. And I came to a place through all of that where, you know, I learned about myself and I learned about life. And it set the stage for many things. I will tell you, as a three-time survivor, when COVID hit and the world kind of didn't know what to do, I had already been in a place of complete unknowing. Like, I didn't know whether I was going to survive. Right. You don't know, right? I came face-to-face with myself. I really did. Mm -hmm. And I learned some really valuable lessons. I don't know that they're, you know, I mean, for me to share here today, was really more about, you know, understanding that you kind of come into this world alone and you leave alone. Yeah. It can be a very dark place, but once the layers start peeling off and peeling back, I was one of those people. I was very driven, Jill, and probably hid behind a lot of facades, if you will. Okay. When you're that sick and you don't know if you're going to be able to get yourself up off the couch and walk over and get a glass of water, okay? You don't know how that's even possible because you're that sick. You learn how to sit in those spaces and you can either connect to yourself and feel from the inside out or you can continue to try to push through, um, in which case I think you miss the opportunity to grow. Yeah, and I think it's hard I, I can't imagine. So let's not pretend there. But I would imagine that you have to be very vulnerable and start depending on people. And it's been said about our generation. I hear, um, I don't like to say just millennials. So I'm going to say the next generation from us. They see you and I work so hard and all the things we did, raising the, you know, you get it, frying the bacon, taking it home, everything. And they're like, I don't want to do all that. It's too much. 
And I don't disagree with them. I think they're on to something there that the next generation wants to enjoy life more. We're on this path. We're on this journey in life. I think it's really more about what's going on inside of you. There's always an opportunity to learn and to grow. But I agree with you. For me, and, and you and I are both very driven and with our companies, but I can tell you when I look back and I was not sick with cancer, but I remember getting sick and trying to be, I was annoyed with myself, like, come on, man, you know, get over this. I've got too much stuff to do. I'll bet you were annoyed some days that you wish you could get some things done and you probably weren't able to. So to me, that would be a tough frustration is just not being able to do the things you normally do, right? Right. And there's a, there's a sweet surrender there. There's a sweet surrender. Okay. There's a place that you come to where you do understand your powerlessness in a situation. And so it's an emotional, it's a spiritual, it is a physical journey that you kind of take all at the same time. Um, There's a grieving process too in it that you walk through with cancer and loss. So kind of back to the story, really. So three-time cancer survivor, right? And after the first diagnosis, it was really heavy on my heart that it was time to sell my, my business, right? It was time to move on. There was a new path unfolding. But honestly, I didn't listen. So I came back in and did what I do, which is charge forward, right? put myself back together, worked really hard, da-da-da-da-da. That doesn't surprise me. I'd probably do the same thing. Like when I put my mind on the... Yeah, no one's going to stop you. Yeah. So when I got the second diagnosis, like five years to the month, and I was like, just literally on the ground floor. You're probably like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I, and again, I had little kids, right? The first go around, um, my youngest was two. Wow. So my kids had to go through all of this as well, right? Yes. That's scary. Yeah. So second diagnosis, right? So check this out. So right before the second diagnosis came, I knew it was time for me to sell my company, right? I just knew it. I just knew it. And I told you, it had been on my heart. There's a nugget there or something, right? Yep, there was still a nugget. And so literally, Jill, within 30 days of me making the decision that I wanted to sell my business, I didn't broker it either. I had three offers. I had such a huge network that I had built. I had three offers to buy my company in 30 days from making that choice. That's incredible. It is incredible. And it was like, again, my story shows like my belief in, you know, I'm not in charge of how the world operates, right? There's another plan out there. The first time, like how long did it take you to get through? And then You started back up and five years go by and then you get the second diagnosis. Yep. So when I was sick the first time, my team just stepped up. They handled things. That's what I wondered. Okay. They stepped up. They handled it. They ran the business. We had a really good year. Great. That's being a great business owner, though, because you realize that someone can run your company and a good business owner is really finding more opportunities and letting the employees do their thing. Yep. So you had a nugget and five years later, almost to the day, you get your second yep. diagnosis, you sell your company. 
And this time around, did you take care of yourself and rest and do all the things you're supposed to do? So I sell the company. Goodwill of the business, you know, I start going over to make sure that the goodwill of the business is going to transfer over, right? I'm working and all of a sudden I get this second diagnosis. So I got the second diagnosis. After you sold. After I sold the company, like right after, within months of everything transferring and moving this over, I got the second diagnosis, okay, which was a terrible diagnosis. So that took me about a year of treatment while all the while I was trying to work, Joe, and make sure that the goodwill transferred in this company. Did you tell anybody what you were going through or did you kind of just keep it under wraps and do what you had to do? It was a little of both, right? There were some people in my inner circle that knew exactly what was going on and they protected me, right? So I, I was protected in some regards. It was really, really hard though, because you know, when you're selling a company, there's a lot that's happening, right? When you're closing basically one and shifting over, there's a lot going on, a lot. There is a lot going on because I'm in the middle of selling mine to the next successors and there's a lot of work there and and I don't want to go dark, so I won't, but I just can't imagine. Think about this. It's not just you trying to get your company sold properly and doing the right thing. You're trying to take care of yourself And I'm sure your family's freaking out. My family's freaking out. And I've got a new business owner that I have made a promise to, right? I've made a promise to this person who's bought my company that I am going to ensure that all of this goes with it. So the way the deal was structured, Jill, I was to stay on for two years to make sure that the goodwill of the company, stay on as a consultant, make sure the goodwill of the company transferred over, right? I get my second diagnosis. I go through all the treatment. I am done with my treatment. I go back for my 60-day checkup and bam, a third diagnosis. A totally different form of the cancer shows up, metastasis in my body. I can't even imagine. I would just be like, are you stronger words than are you kidding me? But oh my gosh. I would be devastated, honestly. So I give you a lot of credit because anybody listening right now, I'm devastated. It didn't even happen to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Complete, utter devastation. Oh, yeah. Utter devastation. Probably cry for a month and then try to crawl out of it. Yeah. And at that point, there's so much going on, right? Again, I've got young children. So I will share this very personal story um, because I was just going for my, my wellness check. and. All of a sudden, they're like moving me through this process. Anyways, one of the things that happens when you get diagnosed with cancer um, is when you start meeting with your team, they give you this packet, right, about everything that's going to transpire for your treatment. So I got in the car after I got this diagnosis and I threw the packet in the back seat. I was so distraught. And I had to go pick my girls up from school, right? So I get there and I pick them up and my youngest gets in the back of the seat and she picks this packet up and she looks at it and she says, mom, what is this? Oh, what is going on? And like, literally she got it in that 
moment that I just got blasted again with another diagnosis. I mean, talk about how old was she approximately? I'm trying to remember. So let's see. She was two the first time. So she would have been eight. That's young. Yeah. And it's been part of her life. For that entire oh, time. Yeah. Like how many kids grew up with having their mom beating cancer for this first seven years of their life? Right. Right. And you can't do anything about that except you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. But look at this. So I sell my business. In this critical moment, when I don't know what's coming, right? I don't no. know I'm going to get blasted two times with diagnosis of cancer. So here's this beautiful angel who purchases my company. This third round that I go through, I pretty much just checked out. I oh yeah, the team in place. Like, come on, man. I was on my knees. I needed to listen. And listen very carefully, and I had to self-care, right? Um, I was yes. very, very sick. But it took me years to recover from that. But the gift was that I was able to sell my company. If I had been running it and had those diagnoses, I don't know that that business would have survived, Joe. And the financial wherewithal that selling that business provided for us and my family was unbelievable. It was yet another gift. Cancer is very expensive, even with really good insurance. I mean, there were shots that I had to get monthly that were $5,000 a shot. Okay. So oh, at the time, which is, you know, gosh. Long time ago. We'll yeah, just say. long time ago. <laughs> well, no, then that makes me old. A few years ago, but we get it. And there's a book, um, I can't think of the name of it, Al, and it's a movie. Francis McDermott was in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's about the, is it Nomadland? Mm-hmm. And it's the people that live in their vans and they drive around the U.S. And it's because they can't afford to live in a house or an apartment. And when you read the book, what interests me is how did they get there? Yeah. And more than half, it was because of uh, illness and their medical bills, believe it or not. I remember at some point during this two-year time frame, I remember sitting there across from my husband and he looked at me and he said, if we lose everything, honey, we still have more than most because our family's intact. Yeah. You got a good husband. I got a really good husband. But again, the gift, right? So two years, I'm coming out of this. I'm really very, very ill, Jill. It it took me years to recover from those back-to-back diagnoses. And it happened over many years. So in my head, um, let's say you had three solid years of being very, very ill, plus the recovering. Yes. So you were ill for a good seven, eight years, if you will. Yeah, really. Just like people said, oh, I have the flu for a week. But for the next two weeks after you're back to work, you're still coming home, going right to bed and trying to get your energy back that you lost, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, just times that by a thousand. Right. Like I can't even wrap my head around it, but I, it sounds like every day you were just concentrating on, okay, I've got to get better. I couldn't put two hours together when I was done with those two years. I mean, it was all that I had to put two hours together. But it was so interesting. It's still interesting when I look back at all of it. Again, Jill, I go, okay, so Payout, 
right, go through the treatment. Now I'm done with two years of treatment. I go to meet with this gentleman who bought my company and he's so excited that I'm I'm well. Aw. I'm supposedly well, right? Like I'm projecting out to the world that I'm I'm well. I'm doing fine type of thing, right? But I'm not. And he makes me this fantastic offer to stay and run my business basically, you know, as his partner, da-da-da-da-da. And I heard myself saying, no, I don't think so. Really? If I wanted to run this company, I would have kept it, right? And I get home and I, and he said, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, do you mind if I swear? I was like, shit, I don't know. I had no plan. All I heard were these words coming out of my mouth, Jill, right? Like these words are coming out of my mouth. And I get home and I tell my husband and he's like, you know, his eyes got big. Were you just talking and that thinking, right? No, because I was thinking, but I was very, very in tune at that point in time in my life. I was very peaceful. I was in a state of complete grace and reconciliation with myself and my spirit and my soul. And I knew, I knew I was not in charge. I knew that was not where I was supposed to be headed. I had no idea what this looked like, but I was willing to step out in faith and I was willing to step out and be led down that path wherever it took me. I was open to it. That's a wonderful state. You're in the zone and a lot of people never get to that. So again, gifts. There's beautiful gifts in all of this. So I'm in this state. I have no clue. And then I'm like, okay, I sold this business. These were my kind of corporate customers, right? They were corporate customers. My fees were the highest fees you could, right? They were good fees, okay. In the industry, right? I was top of the line. I had a very niche market, but I was not an inexpensive option for businesses. You had a reputation. They knew you could get it done. Yep. And I'm going to tell you as a business, a lot of us don't go with the cheapest route. We go with whoever's going to help us get whatever we need to get done, period. Yeah. And the beauty of this was though, so all of these other people that were part of my network. So I'm like you, I spent 20 some years building a network, right? Like I had relationships with people like you. I had all of us business owners out there were kind of one another's advisors, if you will. We grew our businesses together. We do help each other. We do and we did, but none of those people were my customers. And I'm going to share a funny story with you. You were one of the very first people that once I started with this, okay, so sold those relationships, they're gone. Well, then now all of a sudden, people like you start calling me and you say things to me like, well, what are you doing? I could use some help with recruiting. And I had been consulting for a little bit of time at that point, And I loved that model. And so what I did was I was able to take what I love, then put this, lay this business model of consulting over top of it, Jill, and created this, this whole new business came about from all of these relationships that I had over here that were never my customers that couldn't afford my 30% fees or my high contractual fees. But now with this new model where I was charging, 
hourly rate. I gave people a max out of pocket. The price point was so much better that then all of a sudden, organically, this whole new business showed up that I never even intended. I didn't even know that was going to happen. It just happened because I had all these relationships. So totally different model for people that don't understand. You're in the corporate world and big, big, big fees and lots of expectations. And I think, and you can explain this, is this model's a little bit, you can do it on your own time a little bit, right? How is it different from the other model just to help people out listening? So with this model, all of my customers are presidents and CEOs of their company, right? Just like you said at the beginning of this conversation, when we run our small, private, mid-sized companies, we don't have an HR department. We never hire a recruiter on our team, right? Those were the corporate relationships that I had. But because I'm a business woman, I know who fits in well into small, mid-sized, privately held companies. Like, I get it. I have always been very successful at hiring people into my companies that I ran because I know who fits in and why they fit in. And so working with an individual like yourself or other small business owners, the mindset's very different. Who fits in a corporate model is very different than who fits in. Okay. And then I'd have no idea. I've never even worked in a big corporation. So (laughs) I've always just owned my own business. So that's my own ignorance. But maybe other people don't know either. So I'm still glad I asked you. Yeah, it is a different model. It's a totally different model. If the price point is right, the person that fits in that model is different. Is it an easier lifestyle for you? Oh, it's a much easier lifestyle for me. Okay. And this one, when it kind of came about organically, I said, you know what? I never want bricks and mortar again. Okay. As you said, in, right? Like I didn't want an office. I wanted a virtual team that basically I was hiring people that had an entrepreneurial mindset that I could hold accountable to the work that I needed them to do, but that I didn't have to manage on a day-to-day basis. Then you're not managing employees. Yep. Right. Those were the two things I didn't want. I didn't want to manage and I didn't want bricks and mortar. So this business launches, right? This opportunity shows up and then COVID hits somewhere, you know, seven years into this thing and nobody knows how to go virtual except me because I started a virtual company. Okay, again, like you can't plan this crap, Jill, okay? No, no, you can't. (laughs) If I spend one step ahead, I have to say, it's a horrible story for something to happen like that to someone. But somehow you've stayed a step ahead. You're coming on top and you took care of yourself. And that's the lesson I want people to hear is sometimes you, you've got to take care of your health and it does take a financial burden on you. Even though you sold your company, I would imagine that you still had a lot of expenses that you normally wouldn't have, right? Absolutely. A lot of expenses. And we downsized our life. We changed our life because what I used to think was important, right? All the stuff and all the things. When I was sick, Joe, I can tell you this. The list got really short and what was on it, what was left, what was really important were none of the things that I had originally thought were important. So everything fell off the list and it really became about 
simplifying and living a much simpler life. And I do live, this is not a big business that I run today. We're a small, mighty team. I, I don't in, never intended for it to be some big corporation. I feel the same way. I want things manageable, but yeah, I met you after. After. All three things. So I know you as this pretty down-to-earth person. You have your priorities. Uh, you match me a lot because I've always put my family first and I didn't grow my business as fast as I would probably have liked to. But Lori here always reminds me, she says, but you have such a nice family. I never missed anything my kids had. And I worked the business around the family. So here's what I'm wondering. You're probably a very different person than if I met you when you first started your first business and you had 15 employees and all that. You were probably a different person then, I'm guessing. Very much. I was a pain in the ass, okay? <laughs> Literally, my staff said I was like, I would blow in then blow out and leave bodies in my wake. Like, <laughs> literally, that's how they described me. But I have spent years practicing leadership. I have spent years in meditation. I have spent years in sitting in a quiet space and hopefully reflecting and growing and learning and maturing and finding some wisdom in all that has transpired in my, my life, Jill. It was a different time that the, if young people are listening to this, it was just grab that ring and go for it. And everybody was very, I'm going to say assertive and aggressive and trying to get all the business they could. Things were booming. Yeah. It's a little bit different now. It's a lot different now. I would say to you, I used to say things like this. I'm a moving train and you better jump on or get off. We'll just you get run over. You get out of my way. <laughs> Pretty much. That's, that was, that was like, what is wrong with me? Now, today I am far more um, in tuned with, again, all this transformation. Yes, yes. And you're right. I love being surrounded by this new generation because they have helped me to see that that was a terrible inspiration that I had because it was all about stuff and things and more. And I love this generation that says, you know, no. I'm not going to sacrifice myself. I want to be someplace where we are. And, you know, and I love that balance that you created at Glebo where, you know, you give back to the community where, you know, I kind of feel like I'm in business today to serve the community, right? Yes, you have a different feel. And, and we don't, honestly, we don't work our 60, 80 hours a week here, which I don't know if that sounds negative, but. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we don't work like that. We never have. Here's my rule. Fridays are optional. My team knows it. They know what they need to get done. I mean, I do feel that whoever made this rule about that, first off, there's a 40-hour work week that you have to work, okay? Right, right. I hire professionals. I hire people who know what they need to get done. If they can get their work done in 35 hours, bravo. Part of being virtual gives me that opportunity. I can crank out a lot of work in four hours that used to take me eight and 10 because we sat around a lot. We talked a lot, which was great, but it did create extra time. Today, no, I want people to have the ability to live their life and to carve out time for peace 
um, balance, family, hobbies, travel. I agree. There's too many good things to do. Downtime is important, Jill. Downtime. Think time is important. You know, you and I, we never gave anybody any think time, right? Like we No. But I, I was a lot like you. I built the business on four days a week, but I'd work Saturday morning and a couple evenings a week. But it is hard to start a business and you do work very hard. So I don't want to take that away. Well, heavens no. But I didn't work Wednesdays. Wednesdays, I never even picked up the phone or the computer. Lori took care of everything. And I said, don't call me unless someone's died. And we did fun things together. I'd say to the kids, pick a direction, north, east, west, or south, and we do a road trip for the day. And we did fun things. So it's hard to create the balance. It's hard to, um, when you're flipping in so many different directions, but you had the extra health aspect of trying to take care of your health. I mean, people listening to this, I still am shaking my head. I don't know how you got through it, really. Even though you told me, I don't know how you did it. Sometimes I look back and I don't know how I did it. I mean, I remember okay. days when I, I could not figure out how I was going to put a whole day together. Um, but here I am today. Um, yeah. You know, with God's grace and with hopefully some wisdom that has been imparted that I can pay attention now and I can acknowledge when I need to pull back or when I need to slow down or when I need to take a mental health day or when I need to do something different that fills my heart or fills my soul, right? Or just pause, whatever that happens to be. So that's the new space that I live in today. And I wouldn't change any of it. Mm -mm. Yeah, I would not change any of it. I'm the same way. Yesterday was nice, so I canceled my appointments and I actually went golfing. I know, it's like golf. And I said, why haven't I been doing this earlier? Yeah. I have to say, it's nice of you to share this story because it's very personal. It's hard to be vulnerable, especially in public. The other thing I want to say is, be careful on talking about how great it is working for your company because your phones are going to ring off the hook. But I want to tell people if, if you are a company listening to this podcast or even a person that's looking for a job, mm -hmm. right? They could find you at strategicrecruiting.net, right? Yes. Thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. You are welcome, Jill. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Uncommon Sense. I'm Jill Gleba. For more stories and all the financial knowledge you wish somebody had taught you, you can find my book, Uncommon Sense, at jillgleba.com. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.